All right, audio is live oh on three, two, one. Hi, right, everybody. Welcome to the first ever um, Afro United podcast. And I wanted to thank my guests for being here today. So we'll start with a little introduction. Just kind of introduce yourself, um, where you're from. And um, also, do you identify as African-American or Nigerian-American, whatever you identify as? Does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. So I'll start first. So my name is Bumi. I'm uh, from Nigeria, and I identify as Nigerian-American. So we'll go this way. That's right. Are you sure you don't want to do ladies first? No, nah, that's just All right. All right. Um, my name is TJ Wright. I identify as a black American, a queer person of color, and I am from Indianapolis. Sweet. Let's go to you. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Joanna. Um, I'm from Ghana. I'm American as well, but I identify as Ghanaian. And um, what's the other question? That's it. (laughs) (laughs) This is a heavy question. I'm Ayo. I'm Nigerian. Um, Where I'm from, I usually say I was born in Nigeria, grew up in Nigeria in the UK, and have lived here for a bit. Um, I identify as Nigerian, but black as my race. Awesome. So, um, again, before we start, I wanted to give a shout out to Tizmi Cafe. It's a tea shop downtown of Indy. So if you've never been there, come check it out. Um, let me show you some of the teas. So we have teas over here. Um, it's, it's really delicious. I haven't tried it, but uh, TJ tried it. And I'm going to take it. I'm going to take his word for it. But, um, you know, definitely come check it out here. You know, supporting black business as well. This is one of our goals to make sure we're giving back to the community by supporting uh, black businesses. So let's get to it. You guys ready to talk about Afro United? And uh, let's break down some stuff. Um, the first thing I wanted to start with, you know, it's stereotypes. You know, um, there's a lot of stereotypes about Africans or like African-Americans. So I know some of you, you guys probably didn't know I was going to ask this question. Or if you do know, um, what kind of stereotypes have you guys heard about Africans or just African Americans in general, and let's discuss it. Let's see how we can break that down if that makes sense. So, whoever wants to go first, sweet, doesn't matter. Mm. We'll go ladies first this time. Let's look, yes. All right, I owe Joanna. Okay, I know. Well, I didn't, I didn't go to high school here, but every or a lot of Africans I know that did go to high school here have told me about how they were bullied in high school and called African booty scratcher whatever that means I have no idea Um, another I guess stereotype is just assuming that everyone from Africa is from the same place so a lot of people well I think people are more aware now but I know that a lot of people weren't aware before that there are several countries in Africa with different cultures with different languages and it's not just one group of people It's cool. Um, So as a Ghanaian, the stereotypes I used to hear uh, that I guess Africans or my people or whatever, we were more like service workers. Like we weren't like, you know, we weren't the doctors and the lawyers and the whatever. You know, um, when Africans, that, that was something prevalent I heard a lot. And then... 
stereotypes I would hear about everything you said for sure I got called African booty scratcher more times than I can count and stereotypes I would hear about black people as um a Ghanaian coming to the states or that um black Americans were lazy um um, troublemakers, you know, ruining the name for the black race type of thing. That's what I would. That's what I would hear in my community a lot. So, what about you, TJ? What do you? What have you heard about Africans? Um, the the African booty scratcher has honestly been around since I was in middle school here. Um, still don't know what it meant or where or where it came from, um, and that's been. Um, that's been one. I think some stereotypes that I've heard around um, Africans have been that they are a little bit more rigid. Um, I know some things that I've heard from other African Americans or black Americans is that they constantly cite Sarah McLaughlin. And that commercial, that just sad commercial that seems to indicate that all of Africa is impoverished and um, that it's very poor, that it's very dirty, that there's no enterprise, that there's no culture. Um, that's something that um, I know to be a large stereotype in many of the conversations that I'm having with African Americans or black Americans in these spaces. Um, on the flip side, I have been told by African friends who uh, have immigrated over here that they have, I had one friend told me that her parents, the only thing that they knew around black Americans was the Players Club. That was their point of, the movie, that was their point of reference for black people and for black women and that they were very salacious and that they were over-sexualized and that um, they had no morality and that black people in the United States have very low morality, very low um what's the word I'm looking for, initiative, very lazy, very um, hateful against their own people. And um, those are kind of the big major ones for me. Sweet. I know you guys gave up, uh, I guess, talked about different examples. Also, also myself being uh, from Africa, I've heard the African booty scratcher before, and I honestly do not know what that is. Um, I don't scratch my booty, so I don't know. No, we all scratch our booty. <laughs> I mean, it's like... Uh, so I don't okay, again. I, 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 I don't <laughs> know what that is. So it's like whoever came up with that. That's that's a bad idea. I mean, whatever. That's a whatever that is. I think one thing I also heard a lot is, um, you know, I think going to high school here, especially public schools here, a lot of those kids they ask you stupid questions like, "Do African wear shoes?" I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, we wear shoes, bro. We have Nikes, we have Jordan, we have all the shoes there. Um, the Africans have cars. I'm like, yeah, bro, we drive cars. Like this is this is nothing special. You know, a lot of cars that I don't even see in Indianapolis, we have it in, in Nigeria. Let me speak from my, my point of view. We have that on our streets, right? So we have everything that's in America. So like, you know, and what's funny though, I do hear some of this from black Americans. So it's not just like Americans are saying this. So like black Americans are saying this. It wasn't like, you know, so it's very disappointing to like see those people that look like you, but also all the same people having stereotypes. Right. 
on the African side, you know, we hear a lot of our family, our parents, whatever, whenever they talk about black Americans, they talk about how dangerous they are because they watch too much news. And they think, oh, black people are bad and they're gonna rob you, they're gonna shoot you. I mean, literally that's what we heard from like the older generation of Africans. They tell us to stay away from the women, don't marry an African-American girl or whatever, you know, so it was just, um, that's something we hear a lot from like being an African, you know, so even, in terms of marriage and like family structure, I know you're the only um, African American here, um, but what does the family structure, what does that look like to you compared to, and we'll talk a little bit about like African family structure, but to you, what does that look like, like in terms of like African American family structure? Um, well, I can, I'll start by talking about my own family structure and the uniqueness of it and then kind of broaden out from there. For me, my family structure, you'll find that there is um, a lot of, why am I blanking on the words today? It's a lot of collaboration and a lot of, I describe my families as having different shades of blackness. So we have, I have Muslim family members um, who practice different levels of um, the Muslim religion or the Islamic religion, excuse me. And I have families who, during the time of the 60s or 70s, when they were really, it was very black power, it was very um, getting back to one's culture who changed the last name and really subscribed to African culture and really actually helped push the Kwanzaa movement here in Indianapolis and have been doing so for a very long time. Um, and then I had my most immediate family that was kind of traditional in a way, but also kind of modern. Um, I had two grandparents who were married, I, but then I had a mom who was a single mom. Um, and then she re, uh, married, and then she divorced. And so I had, in my personal experience, I, I would say that I have several different layers of blackness that many African, African Americans and black Americans can and often do experience. As a whole, as a community, I would say when I look at the United States, you'll find that a lot of our families I hate the term broken families because I feel that it's not people that necessarily it's not this subscription of there always has to be a two parent household and grandparents and aunties that every family looks different and that doesn't necessarily make indicate that it's broken. I would say that our families are very diverse. Um, some generalities is that there are a lot more single mothers in our community than they are in other cultures. I would say that our men are often um, absentee fathers for several different reasons, for seven different variables, systemic barriers being one of them, but that's not why we're here tonight. Um, so I won't get on my soapbox, but I would say that You'll find that a lot of black Afri uh, black American families are, I would identify them as non-traditional families. And that comes in many different shapes and forms, especially now where we are in a time where black Americans are also starting to put press more into queer spaces, not nearly as much as I would say, but again, not why we're on this podcast today. Um, but they're very diverse and they look in different ways and I think that if you for someone from the outside looking in that can look very confusing if it's not just been your regular all your life awesome. um, you guys wanted to from your your point of view what do you, what, what do you guys see with 
African fam- African family structure. Um, I feel well. Most African families that I know are, at least my parents' generation. Um, I feel like they still try to maintain that traditional mom, dad, and kids type of dynamic where the dad is the provider of the family, the mom is whatever. However, them being together and then having a traditional looking family doesn't mean that they're better than um, a single a single single parent family because there are I feel like we're so Africans are so focused on oh what are people going to think or how if I leave my husband <laughs> how is this going to look or whatever so like it could be that um, there's some families that look traditional but they might as well be single family but like we try to we're very image focused in Africa so that's why I feel like there are a lot of traditional families um, there are also I guess some cultures like in the north I don't know if it's specifically because of their culture or their religion especially like in Nigeria where um, there are families that have multiple or there are men that have multiple wives so you do see that in African um, cultures as well yeah that's it. Um, I agree. Um, definitely, I think that I'll speak for West Africans because I think I have the most exposure to West Africans. But um, they are very image driven. And I will go as far as saying I think we. Yeah, I'll say it. I think they. <laughs> I think like. I don't know. It's almost idolatry for marriage, mm. and because um, I I know I know of a couple of families where it literally does not matter. My husband's my husband, and my wife is my wife, and that's that. <laughs> like it does not matter, and we are a unit, and that's that. And that is, I think I see less of it now, and I don't know. It's because they've been in this country for so long, so they're getting like exposed to I guess the trends in this country but back at home yeah there I it's mother father children and then community is huge so then you have the aunties and the uncles who are basically your mother and your father and all of that so but yeah I definitely do I I don't see a lot of broken I guess or blended families now I am but growing up I didn't yeah yeah, growing up, I definitely didn't see that, but now it's more evident that there are. Yeah, I think just to summarize that a little bit from my experience, um, you're right. You know, with the way, like the marriage, a lot of African marriages it's already ended a while ago, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you know, so they just they just stay together. Yeah, just like because you want the you want the kids to grow grow up with like you know a dad and a mom in the house you know just the dad being around it means a lot to the kid you know just a kid waking up every morning and see mm-hmm. the dad there even though that dad man you know might not be worth you know worthy or whatever it doesn't even deserve to be there but yeah. it's just that that's the african culture like you know it was something that we pride ourselves in making so people are married for 30 years right and they've been through all of it 
and you be like, they hate each other. and they hate each other. They probably don't even well, sit. Some are just in the same house. Yeah, they, they just like, cohabitating. Like, yeah, they don't even, they don't even like each other, right? So, <laughs> so that. But I feel like in my experience in American culture, stigma. something happened, boom, everybody's like, boom, 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 lawyer, lawyer, lawyer. Let's 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 cut it off, right? But African is different. We don't divorce rate is low because people don't divorce like that. Yeah, but that's not necessarily good because, I, well. Like I just I believe like if you're happy if you're not happy if you're miserable in a marriage, like if it gets to the point that even your kids are like, can you just get a divorce because like y'all is just like it's not I feel like it's really unhealthy the yeah. way we make it seem like because there are Africans that like your husband is cheating on you with hundred women he's hitting you but they're like no stay with your man he's the man don't worry God will no God is not gonna change right. his cheating ass no, sorry oh. <laughs> well you sound very passionate about no, that no I've just I've just heard so many stories and no, it's just it's just and, really unfortunate and, like, and, and it's true you know it's something that in African culture it's a, you know see a man with multiple wives or very abusive to the, the, the wife mm-hmm. but again for the image you know you mm-hmm. wanna you wanna pretend that the home is you know good again like i said the kids turn out good because it, it might be messed up a little bit in the head but uh like <laughs> educational wise like they they go to school because that's what the parent wanted right yeah. they they finish like so one thing i wanted to talk to talk about a little bit is education so mm-hmm. like an average african person or even nigerian like i'm because i'm from there like like in America, I see like high school diploma. People celebrate high school diploma year. We don't. That's not even an achievement, you know. In our culture, it's, a given. it's, it's like, like okay, okay, you know, it's like a checkbox, right? So like getting a bachelor's degree, we might celebrate a little bit, but it's like what's next? So we don't even. So that's just that's the way we're growing up. So let's talk about education. Um, you know, and I'll start with you guys. Been in African culture, what does the education look like? Like, what? Why do we have to go get PhD when you don't need it? Why do you have to go get a master's degree and just why you don't need it? So, I want you guys to talk a little bit about that, and we have you add to it. The PhD, you need one so that people can call you doctor. Exactly. <laughs> that is why. See, doctor. <laughs> that is pretty much it. <laughs> Um, there's there's definitely a focus on education and well Ni- Nigeria especially there's a focus on the number of degrees the more degrees you have the better because honestly Nigeria is um, the more degrees you have can also tie into the more money that you can have which ties into the more respect that you're gonna have so that's why there's a lot of focus on education I feel like um, and yeah, I mean, my my parents aren't too pressed about PhD or whatever. Well, to be fair, I just got my master's degree two years ago, and my mom early this year was asking me when am I gonna get my MBA, and I'm like, you need to chill, <laughs> you need to chill. But I mean, like, um, but yeah, I feel like um, definitely high school diploma and a bachelor's degree is like that's the basic requirement (laughs) and then like even if you want to go into entrepreneurship or like if you want to be an entertainer if you want to be something else get your degree first and then you can go pursue your singing career but like you need to have that degree as a fallback plan so yeah do you have yeah um i feel like um so like I was born in Ghana, I came here when I was like eight or so, but 
before coming here, I have family already here, and the process of even getting into this country was a struggle in itself. It's very difficult. Now it's practically impossible, you know, given our administration. But <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's very difficult to get a visa to come into this country. And as much as my family, they loved it in Ghana. Like you can have, for what I remember from Ghana, even now, you can have a degree in XYZ, but there just aren't jobs. And um, here we, we were sold on what the American dream, right? So like they all got a visa, came to this country and they either took a pay cut or they took positions that's just not it doesn't suit who they were back at home and so for them that is suffering and for them they're not doing it for their own health you know what I'm saying they're doing it for their children so you guys can come up and make this amount of money but in this country in order for you to make it's very traditional like you know when we talked about this the other day like it's like doctor lawyer engineer and then failure type of thing because it's like those are the only three jobs that have you know that then that's what they think because that's what they see and I think a lot of what African parents or African aunties uncles they see is is what they see from the media right it's yeah. what and who's given us the media but anyway that's it's, it's 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 difficult but like I think the the point of education or the bachelor's not meaning much um to um African parents is because it doesn't mean I don't want to say it doesn't mean much, but it's um, it's losing its value in this country. And if it's losing its value, that means that it's it's a, it's a threat to how much money <laughs> you can. Yeah. It's a threat to your, um, I don't know, like your, yeah. And that's, that's, that's a threat to them because they want their children to be rich, rich. And so, yeah. like, I think that's why, like, a... A GED, well, like I, I don't even think I know an African who's gotten a GED, not like you know, type of thing. I don't, yeah. And I know a lot of Africans and a lot in school doing things that they do not want to do just in the name of because of my parents, yeah, especially things like medicine. There, oh my god, I know a lot of people that are studying, medicine there are a lot of doctors who are not happy, right now. but it's because of their parents, it's ridiculous. But yeah, it's for the prestige of it to so then later then go back home and say. Oh yeah, my child is a doctor. My child is this, my child is that. It's for the bragging rights. Alright, uh TJ, let's hear what the African American or the black American feel about education. Oh well, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and stay off my soapbox. Uh I work, uh, so I have worked in education now for about 10 years. Um, and I have worked at all levels of education, K through currently in K-12 public education, worked at a public higher education institution, um, and have supported nonprofit organizations that provide um, educational services to black and brown children. Um, and I think one very stark difference between how um, Africans look at education versus black Americans is that there's a focus with Africans for generational wealth. And there's a, a, sort, a certain level of strategy when they are thinking about their families, when they're thinking about their jobs. For many black Americans, the thought is survival. Um, in this country, frankly, people say the education system is broken. No, it's working just fine. It's working to do what it's always designed to do, and that's to check out the lawyers, the doctors, and then the failures. Um, and when you have these red line communities that have been 
for all intents and purposes, designed to provide these systemic barriers to this particular group of individuals and who have had to go through things like the AIDS epidemic. They have had to go through um, the war on drugs. They've had to go through these situations where life just became about getting to the next day as opposed to thinking about, oh my God, why I do want to go to college. And something like higher education became farther and farther and farther out of reach. Um, Scholarships became smaller and smaller. Access became harder and harder. Um, And this concept, so uh, why you find that a lot of people celebrate the fact that they got to the GED because it was a fight to get there. They've most fan. I have worked in K-12 education now for about four years, and I can tell you there are countless families just in Indiana that I've worked with that were students of color that were the primary breadwinner of their home because their parents were incarcerated or on drugs or was working two, three jobs and they had to take care of their siblings um, or all of the above or who were in, who were wards of the state and had to really... some. It was amazing to me how so many youth um, at the age of middle schoolers and high schoolers, they had lost their light. They had lost a desire to or even could not identify the greatness within themselves, could not identify or even see that there is something past this four block radius. Um, Working in education, I've met again countless students who have never been outside of Indianapolis they've never they know Bloomington exists never seen it they know Muncie exists never seen not that as much to see but you know it's like these places that are around us have you been to Carmel have you been to Avon and it's because they've only they only know what they know and uh, there are other variables like age. There's other variables like their parents having them at a younger age because in the black community there are other things like sexual abuse that happen within the families. And there are, you'll find that there are generational traumas that have happened well back to my great-grandmother who her and all her sisters were all sexually assaulted and they just didn't talk about it. And they all but one, I think, was beaten by their lovers, and they just didn't talk about it. And so then it breeds another generation who is only set on survival, who's only, you know what, I refuse to let this man take over me. I refuse to let these things happen to me. And it blocks you from seeing the possibility. It blocks you from being able to dream because you're always looking over your shoulder wondering, who am I going to have to fight next? What am I going to have to fight next? Is it going to be a person? Is it going to be myself? Is it going to be my trauma? Is it going to be the government? Is it going to be all of the above at the same time? And a lot of that weight, I feel, in my professional opinion, has fallen upon our black women. And you know the le- i mean the levels of oppression there have have very well pushed our black women to a space of survival i just want my kids to not be shot I just want my kids to make it out of this neighborhood. So I can't, they, we, it created this era of vigilante parentism, parenting um, where, you know, you're just like, let's get you to this line. And if you get to the next line, great. 
Um, and as generation, as we get into millennials and as we get into Gen Z, you see um, millennials and Gen Zers being a lot more hands-on with their own lives, um, being more, giving their parents more accountability to like, hey, this really messed me up and I, I, I need greater things. And you're seeing that this desire for generational wealth at the millennials and with Gen Zers, but it's the millennials. Like they're just starting. And as a, as a community, as black Americans we're just starting to think in that manner and that's more or less because well we're just tired of being broke you're, you're tired of survival you're tired of being in a space where you look back at your grandparents and you look back and you say yeah that was good for what it is and what it did and how it got me to this place and I'm very thankful but was it enough was it enough to make me feel like I wasn't an anomaly in an all-white school or anomaly at a predominantly white institution was it enough to make me want more for myself than what my parents want for me because honestly parents can only want so much for you so it's being that and the level of absenteeism from many of our families has also led to kind of this thinking around education where it takes it is a back burner to making money and other variables I would say the media has quite a bit to do with it you for the 99 and the 2000s when we were going through that very strange fashion time very strange I just looked at a video that that came to my mind because I watched a Destiny's Child video it was the remix of Bootylicious I was like what is going on what is this anyway uh, we did that pop, that red bob, <laughs> the cutouts. It was, oh God, I don't, I don't want those to ever come back. Um, we, it, it, it changed, um, and it took a back burner because the media was saying, if you want to make it, for people who look like us, if you want to make it, you have to be a rapper or a basketball player, or a hip-hop artist, or a singer, and now we're in a time where you can be all these things and not really have tone. And that's, that's my personal bias, though. Some of these young artists, I'm like, I don't know who that is. Um, it takes a back burner because this is all how they've seen. This is how they've been represented. As opposed to... Um, seeing black doctors, seeing black lawyers, understanding that there's much more that makes this world work besides lawyers and doctors, that there are therapists and many of us need them, that there are architects, that there are engineers, that there are social app developers, that there are many, many jobs and that you can solidify happiness. And I think that for us as a community, the one thing that you'll see very rampant um, throughout our community is this desire for immediate gratification because when you're hurting for so long and you're hurting all the time and so much this little piece of happiness that impossible whopper that's everything Mm -hmm. those Jordans that's everything and have you had it it is good I listen I was a little skeptical it was really it was like oh is this a thing it was 
I'm not sure if it's impossible or not. But yeah, anyway, the desire for immediate gratification also very much steers the conversation around what's important in our community. Um, so that's my take on it. Kind of got on the soapbox, but not as long as nah, I usually nah, am. Nah, nah, no worries. Um, so, yeah, I mean, everybody from both sides kind of touch on education. How education kind of is different from both sides. Again, the point of this, you know, podcast is to educate people about our, you know, from African side or African American side to see that we're not all the same people. We have different family values. Education is different. Like my parents wanted me to be a doctor because, like you said, doctor, lawyer, and engineer and failure and I work in the tech field and I love it you cannot pay me I don't know how much you're gonna pay me to be a doctor it's not for me <laughs> right so it's like there's a lot of other options and I think level of education for our parents also it matters also because a lot of them they didn't really go to the school but they want to make sure they get the best education for you just because they didn't go doesn't mean you you know so it's it's like it's not an option you have yeah. exactly exactly believe it do as I say not as I Exactly. So that's why a lot of African kids, we go to schools and a lot of people are doctors, they're miserable because they don't want to be that. You know, some of us are just fortunate to actually pursue what we like and we enjoy. But regardless though, obviously, you know, we all have one goal to be successful in whatever we do. You know, like you said, rappers, whatever, that's their cup of tea, but we pray everybody, you know, makes it. One other thing I want to touch on, um, before actually before I go to that, I wanted to again give a shout out to Tease Me Cafe for having us here today. Um, they are located on 140 East 22nd Street here in Indianapolis. Um, as you can see, TJ is enjoying their tea. Um, I would definitely get mine after this because um, I don't like talking and drinking. <laughs> don't, don't drink and talk. Um, so, but. I don't know. No, they should. They do a spiked um, tea. It's a. We'll, we'll send We're that. Off topic, We're getting off topic. Okay. We'll see. But, um, the one thing I wanted to touch on, we can wrap up on this, is uh, you know um, we talked a little bit about education. Um, talk about a little bit of the family values, and uh, you know what, what what do you think is next for both, both, both cultures? How can we educate them, and you guys educate us? You know, you know, it's like what do you want them to know about Africa, like? For me personally, I just want everybody to know, you know, African people, we're not all the same. Mm. You know, even Nigerians and Ghanaians, we don't get along a lot of times. Yeah, we do. Okay, no, 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 no. Let me not say we don't get along. Like, a lot of times we disagree a lot. We bicker. It's a lot of banter. We only only disagree about jollof rice. I feel like for the most part, we're... Lo- like high key or low key, we're we're just like we're brothers and sisters. Yeah, it's we, just uh, like. But at the end of the day, we have our individual culture. Like the language is not the same. <laughs> what? <you know? laughs> like the language is not the same. Like the yeah, way, you know, so all of those like culture, all of that is you know it's similar, but we have a lot of differences as well. But everybody they categorize Africa as a country. It's not a country. It's a continent with multiple countries in there. How many countries are in Africa? God knows. Fifty-two. Oh really? Oh, I'm just, Fifty. I'm a, Fifty. I'm Six? I'm, I'm throwing numbers. Wow. 54. Like, oh, 54? Oh, okay. 54. Thanks. Um, I actually know the, I know the answer, but yeah. So, so we have 54 countries in Africa, you know. So it's like we have different unique people. There's a lot of languages in Africa. So obviously, if there's one thing I wanted to tell African Americans, even just America or anybody in general, it's uh, take that time to get to know Africa. Don't, don't base your opinion of Africa on what you see on TV 
all those kids stop stopping. There's kids stopping in America too. Probably more than Africa. Um, no, no, probably not. But again, Sorry. you get the there's point. There's a lot of us. Let's <laughs> live to this. But if there's something you wanted to share with the but thing, what, the whole continent. what would you? Yeah, what would you like to share? This part, okay, obviously. But what would you like to share? What would you like everybody to know about Africa, about your country? If you don't want to talk about the continent, if you want to talk about your country. What would you like people to know about it? Let me think about that. <laughs> Sorry. Do you have anything? Um, I guess, so I think that, because this whole podcast is about education and there is, it's evident that there's a divide, right? And I think that it's backed by preconceived notions of what African-Americans are, what Africans are. But um, I grew up in this country and I didn't have non-black people taunt me and traumatize me and make me feel like I was too black. You know, that was that was by black people, black Americans. And so the same way we talk about childhood traumas and stuff like that, that carries because then that sets, that shapes what I think of black Americans because they were the only ones that gave me a hard time growing up. They were the only ones that told me I was too black. You know, like they were the only ones that, like I worked so hard to get rid of my accent because like, sometimes it hurts me now when I hear you guys with your fine, fine accents, but like I, I, I went out of my way to like have an American accent so people, black people would stop making fun of me. And so I think that if there's any first step, is acknowledgement of what happened because I talked to a lot of black Americans about this and it's almost like no that is, it's almost like it didn't happen but it did I don't know I don't know not one African I grew up with that did not have the exact same experience and so for me it's just acknowledging that this is what happened whether it was self-hate whether it was ignorance whatever it was it happened and now African culture or like we are celebrated in a sense now, right? We have Beyonce doing Afrobeats and now everyone wants to sing with a little accent in the song. You know, like, oh, right, that Joanna song. But like, yeah, and that's great and all, but I don't want to overlook the fact that, but this happened and that that helped. I mean, that um, kind of shaped my ideals of like what I think of myself and what I think about black people. And I think that acknowledgement is the first step and we all need to acknowledge that this is what happened and um, try to heal from that because it was traumatic, I think, especially for a child. Yeah, so. Um, the main thing I would say and I'm on, I'm on Twitter, so there's 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 certain conversations that allow me to see that there's still a huge divide. There's a lot of assumptions. There's a lot of um, lack of understanding between African Americans and Africans. I would not even just say Africans in Africa. I feel like African Americans, Africans in Africa. And then, like, even, like, black British Africans. I, I don't know. But, like, on Twitter, I've seen, like, African-Americans versus other black people. Which, I mean, like, the conversations that I've seen that divide, I don't, I don't really want to go into it. But, like, I, I just feel like black people in general 
just need to unite because we're fighting the same fight. And honestly, at the end of the day, we still have brown skin. No one can t- no one can tell the difference. So like, there's like we're already f- we're already fighting <laughs> we're already fighting against well not fighting against but like the whole world is already against us right. as a race and then we have this unnecessary divide mm-hmm. between us as a community whether it be oh you're american you're african or whether it's your light skin your dark skin that's what mm, there's just we just have so many sorts of divides that it's not beneficial for us as a community and like if we want to grow as a community or if we want just black people to do better as as a whole we all have to work together and we all have to have conversations like continue to have conversations like this so that we do continue to understand each other and that would in turn allow us to work together and you know just make it a better place. Yes, let's all unite. United. <laughs> um, TJ, I'll take it out of the park. Knock it out of the park. Um, trauma and self-hate are real. Colorism is real. Um, I would say for the black community, I would 100% agree that we definitely need to heal and we definitely need to unite. I think our biggest hurdle is understanding the power that we have within ourselves and having to having to forgive, having to forgive ourselves, having to forgive our parents, having to forgive all the folks that have caused us harm. I didn't say forget now, though. I want I I will remain to be very aware, um, but to to learn that in order to make the next step, we have to definitely acknowledge the steps that we've already made, and and really acknowledge the missteps that we've made towards ourselves and towards other cultures of black and brown skin. I think. Um, what if I had to identify to your second part of the question, if I had to identify what I would want um, African Americans and Africans to learn about us is that we're still growing as a people, as a community. Um, and honestly, I think we have a little ways to go. I mean, millennials are still working out of this space. Um, and a great chunk of us still hold the stereotypes and the thing and the misinformation placed in us by our parents. Um, so also informing ourselves and being more aware of what this culture means, of what are the things that the how the culture has translated and moved and came over to the U.S. and how and where it came from and how it grew. Um, and understanding some heritage is also true. Um, but back to the second part, if I had to identify something that I would want them to know, it's that, that we're still growing. I would want them to also know that this ain't our president. Just gonna throw it out there. <laughs> This, we we just not that don't got nothing to do with us. Um, that we're not our parents. That I think there is space for us to grow. I think there is a a slow movement that's growing that encourages us to want to learn more. I think 
you know, media and Beyonce and all these other folks have some have some help with that, but they shouldn't be the only people pushing this agenda. And so we have to get very hands on with this agenda as well. Um, I, I just I lean back to battling misinformation and battling the systemic barriers against us rather than each other. Um, and I think a lot of that will come as we continue to grow, as we continue to have these conversations, as we continue to be open to growth and change, and frankly, some discomfort. Um, I think, like I said, the biggest hurdle, one of the biggest hurdles that black Americans face is the desire for immediate gratification. But you will not be able to grow, you will not be able to learn, you will not be able to even move into this, even a theoretical space if you are not willing to move past what feels comfortable and what feels nice and what feels warm to what is needed and what's necessary. So that's where I would, what I would say. Awesome. So um, again, just to wrap it up, you know, um, from both sides, we're excited about the improvement you know with african culture like the i feel like a lot of more african-americans are embracing it now you know compared to before maybe it's in indianapolis we're just not catching up but there's a lot of work to do we need to there's a lot that we need to learn about the african-american culture i agree with you joanna like i went through the same issue in high school like i got picked on a lot and got bullied a lot by black americans and i hated them at one point until I got to college. Obviously, that's why the kids, you cannot make that decision based on those kids in high school. They're the worst. So um, again, college is a little different. Um, so obviously, I, I have a different um, experience with them now. So with that being said, I want to thank every one of you guys. Um, for being our first guest ever on this uh, for United, you know we are excited to launch this podcast officially. Um, again, shout out to Tizmi Cafe for letting us use this spot today. Um, until next time, we will see you guys. Um, stay beautiful, stay black, and stay <laughs> I mean, stay stay African. It's like, what, what else we got? So thank you guys, and until uh, next time, have a good one. Thank you. Bye. Yeah.